The Woj Pod is brought to you by Goodyear, helping you discover the road ahead. Goodyear, more driven. This is the first time we are in um, New York City. Imagine coming from Greece, which is a beautiful country, and going the first, like, we went to Atlanta, which is really nice, and then the next day you go to New York City. Once we landed to, uh, in the airport, we were like, it was me at Nashville, like, looking, looking, I'm like, what the hell is this? You know, and uh, then we went to Times Square, we uh, walked around the city. It was just fun because I, I, if I go, like, when I go back, I couldn't change nothing because, you know, I love the fact that I didn't know nothing about the States. I didn't know nothing about the draft. I was just a kid, you know, I was just, I was just a kid. You know, going out there, eating hot dogs, drinking a, a Coca-Cola, getting a New York, I love New York hat. So, man, it was, it was, it was one of the best times of my life, you know, in the, in the draft, in the draft process. But the most funny part, once we got to uh, New York, uh, there was two, like, bed, twin, twin beds. And it was Thanas and me. And me and Thanas, we were about to go outside and get the hot dogs and walk around. We were jumping from bed. Bed, 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 like this, just jumping, jumping, jumping. Like New York, and we had to like we had to take so many pictures so we can show our family. And then we did that scene from uh, coming to America, you know. Good morning, world. So, you know, yes, yes, F you. Like we did that from the Woj Pod. This is the Giannis Draft, episode three. Giannis, Thanasis, and Yorgos Pano have touched down in New York. Draft week in Manhattan. For the first time, the brothers meet Alex Saratsis. Teams continue to call him for a copy of Giannis's physical, but he keeps putting them off. The plan's in place for the Hawks to pick Giannis. If only he makes it to them on the board. Alex, Alex Saratsis came in. He's like, do you have a suit? I said, no, I don't have a suit. I'm just going to go like this. I had some... Shorts and a T-shirt, but you know, I, I didn't know the experience. I didn't know how things go, you know, play out. I was young, you know, just did not know a lot about the draft. So they got me a suit. And I remember I was scrambling trying to find a tailor to come in that night to help them, and immediately shuffled them up to one of the suites up there to start getting tailored. And I just remember them. It was. Probably one of the nicest memories that I have where you had all these people running around him and Thanasi taking measurements, trying on different shoes. Alex was like, oh, you guys didn't bring a suit. You guys don't know the process. Yours was just, yours was like a, a kid in the candy store. He was like, I'm just happy to be there. You know? Alex was like, okay, we got to get this done. Um, this is, uh, there's a suite downstairs uh, with suits. Let's go there. went there, walked in, there was just a bunch of girls in there, right? I'm like, oh, where am I walking into, right? And they was like, oh, this is the suite for the suit. I was like, okay. 
they gave him they giving me like suit like a button up shirt like shoes dress shoes pants everything taking care of me it was like you gotta wait this way you gonna have your bow tie your tie and all that it's like oh wow like this don't happen like you guys don't understand things like this don't happen in uh, other places where you know where I, came, where I came from so Alex was like yeah they gave me like a black suit I have the pictures in my phone they gave me a black suit it was like no not that they gave me another suit it was like no not that third suit I was like I like this one he was like you like this one like yeah that I was voted uh, the best dresser of the draft that night. So, um, Tanasi's got his suit. I got my suit. And, uh, you know, we took uh, some pictures and uh, we left. And the next day, they was like, oh, before the draft, come get your suit. And we went and got them, wore them, and uh, we got ready. Seven years after witnessing Baby Shaq lead the Greeks over the Americans, what Giannis had assured his brothers had come to pass. That could be us. You can now stream the most MLB games on DirecTV without a satellite dish. Yes, catch the clutch hits, strikeouts, grand slams, web gems with nothing on your roof. So whoever's up there, whether it's roofers, Santa, birds, old-timey chimney sweeps, moody teenagers, thrill-seeking raccoons, you name it, they won't find a satellite dish. But you will find your MLB games on DirecTV. That means DirecTV is your home for baseball this season. Root, root, root with nothing on your roof. Yes, stream your team. Call 1-800-DIRECTV or visit directtv.com. Sign up today. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Did somebody have the idea to bring a Greek flag into the arena with you? Yorgos Panu had brought a Greek flag, I think all the way from Greece, and it was a it was a historic moment for Greeks, for the country, for all the illegal immigrants and all the minorities in Greece to have this. And and Giannis felt very important and felt a sense of national pride. I'm pretty sure we left that flag on the bus. Um, and I remember because it was just it was the one thing on top of being dressed and the tie clip is OK. The one thing that the four of us were saying, make sure we have the Greek flag, make sure we have the Greek flag. Because if you think about it, you had two Greek brothers who had two Greek agents, all born in the same country, right? All grew up with the same, I mean, different values, but feeling Greek having Greek nationality, let's show our pride, and we forget the flag. Right, Nathanasis went and grabbed one from a fan. That's how I have it, right? So Thanasis went and grabbed, it was a, like a Greek fan. It's like, yeah, that's like, hey, you know, in that section, like, ah. Walked all the way, grabbed, was like, can I have it? I, I did not know what the NBA draft was. Thanasis knew. Thanas knew everything about it. He was like, this, this, do that. Like, okay, let's take it slow down. It's like, oh, you have to go, you have to shake his hand, make sure he's firm, make sure you look him in the eyes, make sure you pose for the picture. This is going to be a, a part of history. I'm like, Thanas, come on, man. I just, I just want to just get drafted, go back home. I remember turning to Thanas and telling him, are you thirsty? He's like, yeah. This is when we were 18 and Thanas 19 and a half, 20. Um, 
He's like, yeah, do you want a Coca-Cola? He's like, yeah. Went and grabbed some Coca-Cola. I don't know, there's a picture of me with an ISIS on the internet. Having like in the draft night, like having some Coca-Colas and smiling and posing. So yeah, we, we were a little bit nervous, but we knew how to uh, deal with it because we, we, we dealt with it our whole life. And I think the way that we know how to deal with it is just like do things together and uh, have fun and uh, use your humor to deal with it. You mentioned the Greek flag and us hugging with the Greek flag. There was a coffee shop that was by his, that was by his house. And in Greece, as I mentioned before, a lot of the undocumented illegal immigrants, whether they're Albanian, Russian, African, you know, French, whatever it is, they end up walking around the coffee shops because it's a coffee shop culture where everybody sits and drinks coffee for about six hours a day. You have a lot of the undocumented immigrants who come and sell goods. And I remember one time in Christmas, and Yanis told me the story, they went to sing carols at this one coffee shop. And just Christmas carols, you know, hoping everybody's, you know, in, in the Christmas spirit. The guy shoot him out with a broom. Really just said, you know, we don't want your kind here. We don't, you shouldn't be singing Greek uh, Christmas carols. This same person, when he was drafted, went on the news and said he gave so many opportunities to Giannis to become a great player. He fed him. He took care of him. He had pictures of Giannis all over his wall. And this was someone who didn't just shun him, but literally tried to sweep him out of the coffee shop with a broom. So racism for him is something that he grew up with. But it's really interesting to talk to him about it because what he remembers is the community. He remembers the good people in his neighborhood. And he remembers all the people that helped him. As Giannis Antetokounmpo prepared to introduce himself to the NBA, David Stern prepared to say goodbye. Thirty years as commissioner neared an end, and so much of his legacy was a prelude to the emergence of this 18-year-old, a Greek with Nigerian heritage. This was a proper and perhaps an inevitable manifestation of David Stern's global vision. Do you remember meeting Stern before the draft? I did, yes. He knew, he knew who I was. I knew who he was. I didn't know the story behind it. Then I researched, like now that I'm older, I researched what he did uh, and how he changed the game and how he made the game global and big parts of the NBA. You can talk about the NBA without David Stern, right? So at the time, I just knew he was the one that tells you which team you're going. He knew that I came from Greece. He knew I was half Nigerian. He told me, I know there's a Nigerian way to say it. I know there's a Greek way to say it. Uh, which way would you want me to say it? How should I say it? I told him exactly how to. Then we shake hands and we took pictures. The Nas took pictures with him. Then we went down to this suite with all the players. I met Victor Oladipo. He was like, ah, I'm Nigerian too. Then we went to our seats. For the Cavaliers, the 2013 NBA draft represented the third time in a decade the franchise landed the number one pick. With the first pick in the 2003 NBA draft, the Cleveland Cavaliers select LeBron James. The Cleveland Cavaliers select Kyrie Irving from Duke University. 
Those were easy choices. Coronations, raucous draft night celebrations. This time, number one felt more like an albatross than a blessing. In a perpetual state of pre-draft crisis, the Cavaliers front office searched out trade scenarios and talked themselves in and out of players. They never stopped hoping for someone to bail them out. But no teams were inclined to pay a premium of players or picks to move up to number one. It felt like something bad was about to happen. It was a tough number one. There was no consensus. The newly hired general manager of the Denver Nuggets, Tim Connolly. So I think there was five or six guys going to go on one. thought I had a pretty good sense of how things were going to develop um, in that draft. And specific to Giannis, I, I, I had a good sense. or I felt as if I had a good sense that two or three teams were kind of jockeying for him. And I knew the two or three teams that liked him the teens. Ryan McDonough, now the general manager of the Phoenix Suns, possessed two picks in that first round. He made a final call to reach Cleveland general manager Chris Grant about brokering a trade to move the Suns up to number one. I believe the deal was the fifth pick and the 30th pick for number one, and then we were going to take back Alonzo G's contract who they were trying to move to clear cap space. And I think the Cavs seriously considered that. I got the feeling they were seriously considering it. And I got a call back from one of the guys that worked for Chris and said, um, no, you know, we're not going to do the deal with you guys. We're sticking and keeping number one. And I said, okay, we're sitting here at five. Can you tell me who you guys are going to take? And this was after David Stern, the commissioner at the time, had gone up to the podium and said, the Cleveland Cavaliers are on the clock. They have five minutes. And the guy I talked to in Cleveland said, I don't know who we're going to take. And I said, what, what do you mean you don't know? He said, you got three minutes left or whatever it was at this point. And he said, yeah, we're still talking about it in the room. So that, that was fascinating. I think just that was the uncertainty of every player in that draft. And that was the volatility of it where I think right until the last minute, Cleveland was still listening to trade offers, potentially considering trades. And then when they decided to keep the pick, I believe they were still debating who to pick at number one. With the first pick in the 2013 NBA draft, the Cleveland Cavaliers select Anthony Bennett Whoa! of Toronto, Canada, and the University of Nevada, Las Vegas. I remember Giannis looking over and saying, what's going to happen now? Are we screwed? Alex Saratsis. I said, it's the first pick in the draft. Don't worry. There's, there's a long way to go before we get to where we're supposed to be. Becomes the first player taken in the I mean, to me, if I were to sum it up, that draft was sheer lunacy. No one knew who was going first. Uh, you know, everybody projected Nerlens Noel. But I, I think there were teams that were later on in the draft that had an idea of who they wanted. But I think that first lottery group was just completely, um, gosh, it, it was completely in flux. Danny Ferry. It was a jolt to everyone, and the order got a little out of whack. Again, that's why you asked earlier, um, you know, how do you figure out who's going to take who? You know, one pick can throw everything off. You know, we didn't. We walked in not knowing what we're going to expect, and clearly that first pick started the ball rolling in that regard. And the draft order got did get it a little out of whack from there. The gulf between Cleveland's evaluation of Bennett and the rest of the leagues was dramatic. Questions about his desire and issues with his weight overrode his talent. In the hours before the draft, 
Conversations with executives well past the middle of the first round made one thing clear. Nobody else was taking him. Did you know anything about any of these players? I didn't know nothing about nobody. And I think that's what made me fearless. I, I didn't know my teammates. I went to practice and uh, there was OJ Mayo. And I was like, they told me you're with OJ. I was like, who's, who's OJ? And he said, sorry for my language. He said, this don't know who I am. He was pissed. I was like, sorry, I never watch NBA. I watch uh, EuroLeague basketball. You know, I watch European basketball. And even if I watch NBA, it was, you know, highlights. What made me not being scared about the NBA is because I did not know who they were, what they did in college, um, what they were about to. I was just seeing people. And I was like, from now on, can you perform? Can you be better? And that's all I saw. I never judged people from the past. I judged people from now on. What can you do? I'll give a shout out to Rob Hennigan. It was his second year as the, as the GM of the Orlando Magic. And he made a great selection in Victor Oladipo. But I remember we talked about it a couple of days after the draft. Uh, a couple of days after the draft, but then subsequently a couple of years afterwards. And he told me, listen, I loved Giannis. I thought he was going to be a superstar. I thought he was going to be amazing, everything about him. But I didn't have the balls to take him at number two. It was important to Ferry and Wilcox that Atlanta get as high as it could in the draft. In the week of the draft, working through Alex, talking through the positions, like 10 is Portland. They like him, but they may go with a diff. It sounds like they may like somebody else better. That ended up being CJ McCollum, a great pick for them. Wes Wilcox. 11 was Philly. Philly, Alex didn't feel like, like he felt like he could get past Philly. They drafted Michael Carter-Williams. I remember getting a phone call from Sam Presti. And then Sam Presti at that point had the 12th pick in the draft. And, and I had gotten the sense that it was between three players. It was between Steven Adams, Giannis, and Dennis Schroeder, who I also represented uh, in that draft. And I remember at one point, Sam called me and said, you know what? You're not letting us interview Giannis. So you know what? If we draft him, I'm just going to tell Giannis we did what we could. And you're going to end up staying in Europe because Alex wouldn't let us interview you. And I remember telling Sam, I said, that's Sam, that's fine. I don't have an issue with that. But the problem that you have is you have to tender him an offer, right? Even if it's at the 80%, you're required to send him an offer to maintain his rights. So if you don't send him an offer after having drafted him, he's going to be unrestricted and I can go anywhere I want. If you do tender him an offer, at 80% of the 120, that is more money than this kid has ever seen in his life. So we're going to sign the tender and we're going to come over and then you're going to have to deal with it. They want me to go back to uh, Spain and play. So I was like, please don't take me. Please don't take me. Please. Danny Ferry. We had a chance to move up roughly five places and thought we had a deal. Um, they, the last minute, said, our guy's available. We're going to take the pick. Um, and we, we thought it was him. You know, we thought someone was doing the same thing as, you know, and, and saw the same things that we saw. Looking back, Ferry wouldn't say it was Oklahoma City at number 12, but that's where the trade talks were taking place. Ferry had worked with Thunder GM Sam Presti in San Antonio and knew him well enough to suspect that if there was a long, athletic, mysterious European prospect on the board, Presti would be probing. Ferry was right, too. Presti was enthralled with Giannis, but he had just reached the NBA Finals in 2011 
and had two future MVPs on his roster, Kevin Durant and Russell Westbrook. Presti had to trade a third MVP, James Harden, because paying three max contracts on a small market payroll was nearly impossible. To balance out that roster, Oklahoma City needed a center, an inexpensive one. That's why Presti was waiting for New Zealand's Stephen Adams to drop to number 12. 13 was Dallas, and they were concerning because Alex said consistently, Dallas likes Giannis. The team's general manager, Donnie Nelson, had a long infatuation with European players. He had been an assistant coach with the Lithuanian national team in the 92 Olympics, had drafted Germany's Dirk Nowitzki to the Mavericks in 1998, and would ultimately be the driving force in trading up to acquire Luka Doncic in 2018. But Nelson's owner, Mark Cuban, was hell-bent on signing the biggest free agent in that summer's marketplace, Dwight Howard. The Mavericks needed cap space, and trading down the board was a way to free up more of it. Mike Procopio was the director of player development for the Dallas Mavericks. I think probably Donnie, I haven't really seen him that excited about a player besides him and Luka um, in past years. The comparison you heard in the room that day was? Dr. J. Could be the next Julius Irvin. And, um, you know, Donnie does not, he does not promote players like that unless he feels that. He, 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 he shoots from the hip. He tells you what, what he thinks. And for him to say that about that, that player, you're like, yeah, I took myself back a little bit. I'm like, I better, you know, maybe I, I got to retool my evaluation here. But, uh, Donnie was all about this kid. And, and Donnie's one of the best I've ever seen at evaluating talent. The Celtics traded up for the 13th pick, but general manager Danny Ainge had returned from his scouting trip to Greece, unconvinced on Giannis. Ainge wanted another international big man, Canada's Kelly Olynyk. 13 players selected, Giannis was still on the board. All these players, Anthony Davids, uh, um, Davis, Anthony Bennett, um, Nernes Noel, Mark Williams, Victor Oladipo, Cody Zeller, Alex Led, CJ McCollum, all these guys, Ben McLemore, all these guys, Trey Burke, who else was, Steven Adams, Kelly Olenek. I, rem- I remember all of these guys. With the 14th pick in the 2013 NBA draft, the Utah Jazz select Shabazz Muhammad. He kept falling and looked like it was going to work out and get to us. Danny Ferry. We heard early on when Milwaukee was on the clock that that's who they were going to take. And didn't want to believe it. With the 15th pick in the 2013 NBA draft, the Milwaukee Bucks select Giannis Adetokounmpo from Athens, Greece. He last played for Phil Atleticos in Greece. Then I saw David Stern shake his hand, look, nervous. I saw like a bunch of people looking at me in my eye. I was like nervous as hell. Then I put my head. I was like, thank you so much. Thank you so much. Then he tells you, look over here. Look over there. Look over there. Good luck with your journey. My whole room just was, you know, flat, including me. the emotion and the energy in that room was was crushed. We called everyone before us. Yeah. And, you know, we called Milwaukee as well. Uh, John was like, no, we're going to keep him. And 
you know, you knew that was probably the case. And you said, okay, John, congratulations and good luck. John Hammond said to me that he thought of all the things that the Bucks deserve credit for in drafting Giannis, he felt as big as any was, we kept our mouths shut. And that's why we got him. Of all the things the Bucks deserve credit for for drafting Giannis Adetokounmpo is John Hammond having the balls to draft Giannis Adetokounmpo. John Horst, a Bucks front office executive who'd someday replace Hammond as GM. To draft a young guy in a franchise with all the pressures that I now understand more than I ever could ever understand then to win and to perform in this league, um, to have the 15th pick means that we were a playoff team. It means that you're supposed to build on that and continue that and to grow and to draft a, a seemingly unknown um, young foreign player with a lack of information. In the pre-draft process, did you get a chance to interview him? We did not. Did you get a chance to view his medical information? We did not. Across everything Giannis Antetokounmpo became in the NBA, John Hammond has never once taken license on the revision of history. Hammond did not believe he had drafted Dr. J or Magic Johnson or a two-time future most valuable player. You hope that people have stability in their lives. And, you know, you think about Giannis's life, you know, probably obviously was the most stable situation because of the immigration issues with the family and everything else in, in, in Greece at that time. But, but you could see, you could see that um, with his brothers, um, the way he handled his younger brothers at that time, uh, the way he had them involved, you could see how they looked up to him. But you could also see those parents sitting right behind us kind of overlooking all of that. So you know, there was something that, that you could almost feel immediately. There's, there's something special going on here. We didn't know we drafted Giannis. We didn't know. You know, we had, we had no idea of who this guy was going to be, you know. Can I share a quick story with you? You know, like I remember being with Rod Thorne a couple years ago. And uh, that's when Rod and I were working in Milwaukee together. And, and a gentleman stopped, Rod and I were together. And, and, and the gentleman stopped Rod on the street and said, Hey, excuse me, aren't you the guy that drafted Michael Jordan? And Rod goes, I am. And the guy goes, Can I shake your hand? And Rod goes, Sure. And the guy shook his hand and walked away. And I remember Rod saying to me at that time, he goes, you know, Johnny, if Giannis keeps playing like he is, that could be you someday. Some guy's going to want to shake your hand for drafting Giannis. Last thing, what do you remember about the moment Stern said your name? You know when you get drafted, right? You, you, the first time you know that you got drafted is not when uh, they say your name. Uh, there's five minutes uh, in between every name, right? So the camera comes up to, to you and this a PR person. And if the PR person is nice enough, you might say, hey, you're next. So I remember... The guy coming, coming. Uh, there's a camera in front of me, 
but I know above me is Rudy Gobert. And the camera is like right in the middle, you know? And I'm like, I don't know if it's, you know, it can never be sure. I don't know if it's me or it's Rudy, right? So I feel like Thanas is rubbing my thigh, you know, grabbing my thigh with his strong arms and stuff. Like, like relax. <laughs> and then uh, Yorgos and Alex, like, this might be, you know, this is it, this is it, this is it. I'm like, no, this, until I hear my name, you know? And then uh, I hear my name. We got up, we hugged one another, did like a group hug all, all together. And then I'm walking down, like, you know, this brings me, like, gives me chills. I'm walking down the stairs, and uh, it's like, it's like everything is like slow motion. Everything's go Walking down the stairs, and I'm like, that's the moment my life changed. Like, and not, not my life, like, we talk about generation. We're talking about gen- generation. That's the, that's the moment that Liam's, my son now, life changed without him even knowing that. That moment right there, you know? So I'm walking down, and I said, they tell you over here, over here, walking, all that. And uh, man, I had, I, I, I don't know, man. I, like, I don't know, I don't drink, I don't smoke, I don't do nothing, but they say that's a feeling that you get, like you're in the cloud. I was. I was up there. I was up there. I was. I felt. I felt um, untouchable. You know, at the moment, I was like, there's moments that I've been. Um, usually, I don't take. I don't give myself credit. I put give myself a lot of pressure to accomplish stuff. But one of the moments that I was like, I'm proud of Yanis, like looking outside, and I'm not Yanis, and I'm proud of the guy. That was that moment, because that was in. It wasn't just basketball that got me to that point. It was everything I did in my life. You know, all these, uh, you know, the hours of helping my mom, helping my dad, taking care of my brothers, selling stuff in the street, going by myself to sell stuff after school at night, late at night. My mom, my mom crying, telling me not to go. You're too young to to come. Like I don't care. I, we, all those moments. Th- that's the moment. You know that I was extremely proud. When all these people came and watched me, I never let pressure broke a 17-year-old, 18. I was like, Mm-mm. until this day, I'm extremely proud of that guy walking down uh, the steps and walking up and shaking David's turn. And I'm extremely proud of that guy. I'm Adrian Wojnarowski, and this has been the Giannis Draft. The enormity of credit for this three-episode series, from the idea inception to shaping the story arc and building out the final production, goes to three of my immensely talented colleagues at ESPN, Christina Daglas, Andrew Hahn, and Troy Farkas. Additional support was provided by Pete Giancini and Dan Stanzik. And a special thanks to Giannis Atenacumpo, Danny Ferry, John Hammond, Yorgos Panu, Alex Saratsis, Wes Wilcox, and everyone else who sat to be interviewed for this series. Until next time, thanks for listening to The Woj Pod.
And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Terms or restrictions apply.